Welcome to Bankless, where we explore the frontier of internet money and internet finance. And sometimes that frontier is at a conference, like last weekend, where over a thousand developers, founders, builders, and investors attended the Starkware sessions in Tel Aviv in order to participate in growing the StarkNet ecosystem. This is Bankless's Starkware session series, which are nine bite-sized episodes interviewing the founders, builders, and ecosystem developers of StarkNet. Every once in a while in the crypto world, a conference happens, but not everyone is available to attend. Don't worry, Bankless has your back because I go to basically every conference that's out on the frontier and I bring an entire podcast studio in tow with me in order to make sure that the Bankless Nation stays on the frontier of what's happening in crypto. In this episode, I'm talking with Silva, who is a governance facilitator over at the StarkNet Foundation, as well as building on StarkNet with his project Brick. That's B-R-I-Q. We kick off this conversation talking about Brick, and it is composable one-of-one by units of NFTs that he hopes will be adopted by surrounding StarkNet applications. But the meat of this conversation is really all about StarkNet governance, which we turn to pretty quickly in this interview. Silva is a StarkNet governance facilitator, uh, a steward, if you will, of StarkNet governance. And this was one of the first experiences I had when I landed in Tel Aviv. I landed in uh, 10 a.m. in the morning and I immediately walked over to the hacker house to see what the hackers were hacking on. Not too long after I got there, it was announced that a governance workshop would happen in about 30 minutes in the room next door. And so eventually people started to trickle over and these two governance facilitators sat down, literally crisscross applesauce style, and started to talk about what was the plan for StarkNet governance and how governance would roll out. And the TLDR of that plan is that the community needs to come together and help them create a plan. And so this is why in my article, if you read this on Thursday and other areas of the uh, StarkNet sessions interviews, I talk about StarkNet as a governance platform is just learning how to stand up. But these developers are learning that not only can they do really cool things on StarkNet, but that doing cool things on StarkNet has imbued them, empowered them with ownership over the protocol. So developers are learning what it means to feel ownership over StarkNet. And the StarkNet Foundation is learning how to give their developers and their protocol devs a voice and control and power over StarkNet. So we are in the very beginning days of StarkNet community governance and learning how to stand up and walk. And this is where I got a large amount of my impressions and information about overall what the community and ecosystem feels about the protocol that it's building on. I'd sum it up as excited, slightly intimidated, but very optimistic and very early, of course. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Silva from the Brick team and as well as the StarkNet ecosystem governance facilitators. But first, I wanted to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make the show possible. Kraken has been around for almost as long as crypto itself. As crazy as crypto is, Kraken has remained a rock for its clients, building out a platform designed to stand the test of time. Kraken is all about proof, not promises which is why they've pioneered a proof of reserves, a system that lets Kraken's customers verify for themselves the solvency and responsibility of the Kraken exchange. And for this reason and many more, we've chosen Kraken as Bankless's strategic sponsor for 2023. And once you're done using Kraken to get your dirty fiat money into pristine crypto assets, perhaps you should check out Arbitrum, where so much of the frontier of crypto innovation is taking place. Arbitrum just announced their Stylus initiative, which is their brand new programming environment that lets developers deploy apps using their favorite programming languages like Rust, C, C++, alongside regular old Solidity EVM apps. Devs can use 
any coding language they like, and it simultaneously drops layer two fees by an order of magnitude. It's a big deal. So many of your favorite DeFi apps have already deployed to Arbitrum, like Uniswap. But did you know that Uniswap isn't just for ERC-20 tokens anymore? Uniswap is also an NFT aggregator too, to make sure that you are getting the best price on your NFT purchases. Uniswap gives NFT collectors and traders powerful tools, all from the cozy, comfy Uniswap interface. By the way, it's also got a native fiat on-ramp. It's also deployed on like every layer two, and it's got this nifty cool thing called a universal router that ensures that you always get the best price on your trades. Crypto protocols like Arbitrum and Uniswap are becoming super powerful. So make sure that you're also using a wallet that's equally as powerful or else you'll be missing out. If you're looking to upgrade your wallet experience, check out Phantom, the number one wallet of Solana, which has recently come to both Ethereum and Polygon. Phantom has native NFT support, giving you your own NFT gallery from inside the wallet. Phantom is both a browser extension and a mobile wallet and is also the only wallet to span both the Solana and Ethereum ecosystems. Check it out at phantom.app. And now let's get into the interview. Bank the Station once again at Starkware Sessions in Tel Aviv, Israel. And I am here with Silf, who's got a, a couple hats on. And so we're going to talk about both of them today. One of them is Brick, and the other of them is a, a governance facilitator over at the Stark, uh, StarkNet Foundation. Uh, Silf, welcome. Nice to be here. Uh, so which one do you want to talk about first? Brick or, or your role at the StarkNet Foundation? Let's go for Brick. Brick? Okay. Alphabetical order. What's Brick? So Brick is a uh, NFT building protocol. So think Lego or a construction game, but running entirely on the blockchain. So the thing that we wanted to do is twofold. First off, we wanted to like solve composability because you have the, all these axes and they don't do anything with CryptoPunks. Now, on the other hand, we wanted to give people a way to act upon NFTs. And right now we can like buy them, consume them, but it's pretty difficult to build them. And so the thing we thought is like, okay, NFTs behave a little bit like physical items. What's the equivalent in the real world? Right. And like in the real world, people don't build stuff. They build with Lego because that's made for this and they're composable because they're made for that. Mm -hmm. So we replicated this exact system, this composability system, but running on chain. So you got a hundred bricks, you build a house, it's an NFT. Disassemble them, get a hundred bricks, build something new, assemble it with someone else. It's yours. Okay. So what, an NFT is the smallest unit of construction. Is that the idea? Yes, sir. And we're not actually talking about Legos. Is that a metaphor? Or it's a are metaphor. We, or are we actually it, talking it actually, about Legos? It looks like a voxel. So it's okay. Lego-like, uh, but like every single brick is represented as a voxel. So you put four of them, that's a line, and this thing is an NFT. Okay. Wait, but we are literally talking about bricks. We are literally talking about bricks. Okay. Like, As, they actually look like that. Okay. <laughs> and so we're, when we're talking about compo like composability, we are literally talking about Legos. I was upon actually talking about Legos and okay. like that. Uh, why? What can you, what, what, take us, where should our imaginations go here? Um, the way you should think about it is the very reason we built it is because we think the way people have thought about composability so far has been dead wrong. Okay. The way you should think about composability is not, if you, if you compare this to like a real world example, it's like, oh, I want my Axie to be with a crypto bank and something happens. Mm -hmm. It's a bit the same thing as if you took like a Go piece and you put it in chess. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't work. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I have a question for you. What's the most composable game asset in the physical world? The most composable gaming asset in the physical world. Um, me? <laughs> You're like gameable. The, the, the human person, <laughs> the human player? <laughs> Close. It's a it's a deck of fifty two cards. Oh, of course. Okay, sure. Yeah. yeah and yeah. the reason it's very composable because you have like thousands and thousands of games uh -huh. all across the world that reuse that same asset is okay. because it's super dumb. Okay. It's over specified. Right. You get a color, a rank, and a type, and that's it. Right. And that's okay. just something that gets interpreted. Sure. Whereas the way we think about composability is, oh, let me actually build seventy thousand different standards that I attach to my item, 
Okay. And you don't interpret it. Uh, it's all okay. about building something that is underspecified and allowing people to interpret it. Okay, so it's like inverting what composability means. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, what when what use cases do you imagine, or is that kind of antithetical? As in, like it's the whole thing. <laughs> I think it's the whole thing. Okay. Right now, we wanted to have people just build assets uh -huh. without them having to be like a software developer or a graphic designer. Mm -hmm. It's just you go and bring that construction, you start stacking cubes, and you've built something. You've built an NFT. Mm -hmm. So we have a surprising amount of like people who are like, oh, I have my kids playing brick, like build a house or something. Right. Because that's a way for you to act upon these things. You don't need. You just need to know how to stack like uh -huh. cubes. So it's fairly easy. Is is calling this a, a Minecraft metaphor? It is. is. Is that right? It is. Yeah. Okay. Is it so? How how should people envision this? Is this supposed to be like a virtual world that I play in? That's a really good question. Um, we're not a game. We're not going to okay. rebuild Roblox or Minecraft. We're a protocol to help people build assets. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, like for um, stock recessions, shit. Where did I put it? Okay. We have a QR code that we're doing with Cartridge. You uh -huh. just scan it and you get an NFT. Like uh -huh. it's, a, it's a little pop that is entirely built out of bricks. Mm -hmm. That's just one thing you can do. Otherwise, you should have had like graphic designer. I just did that on the UI, uh -huh. minted them. And so if you disassemble the pop, yeah, you, got, you get your bricks again and you mm -hmm. can build like a tree house or something else. Okay, so there is a, there is a physical or a 3D rendering and this is a thing for me to go and play around and build and yes, construct sir. and deconstruct. Yeah. And then the individual units are actual assets yep. on StarkNet. And, and everything is running on chain. Like when you're building something, uh, we actually store the shape on chain and we can make like checks and verification. So for instance, if you want like the 2D attributes, we can actually verify it on chain thanks to StarkNet's computation power and the fact that it's extremely cheap. The, the construction that you've made is actually very, very, it's just flat. So it's the same thing as the deck of 52 cards. It's like you have a very simple structure. In the end, it's just like a matrix X, Y, Z. Is there a brick there? And you build rules on top of that. Okay, so is this composable with broader StarkNet or is this more siloed into its own thing? It's, com it's completely composable with the rest of StarkNet. Like we're integrated with all the different wallets. We're working with different NFT projects to work together. So think of brick as like NFT matter uh -huh. that just helps you build stuff. Okay, so... Say I've got my NFT avatar. How, can my little NFT avatar like walk around the brick world and go into a brick house? Or like, what's going on here? So for now, it's just an object. Okay. It's like completely static. Uh -huh. So we're not rebuilding a metaverse or anything else. Like, right. we are working with metaverses so that you can break any construction that you have inside a metaverse. But mm -hmm. think of them as just like items that get reinterpreted. Okay. What are you hoping people do with brick? Honestly, uh, I want them to surprise me. Uh, to give you an idea, like we have one extremely talented uh, person who's building an entire PFP collection with bricks. Mm -hmm. It's like one little duck a day. They've been doing it for like a year now. That's the kind of stuff like, oh yeah, but like I don't know how blockchain works. I don't know how NFTs work. So I just started using the cubes and it just clicked and it worked. Mm -hmm. So that's the kind of thing I really want to see people do. Okay. This possibilities are so endless that I actually don't know how to proceed in this interview. Like, what, what other parts of this universe are I haven't illuminated uh, yet that we should talk about? Uh, that's about that. It's uh, both extremely like, simple and weirdly complex. Right. It's like you're just putting like, matter on the blockchain. So it doesn't go much farther than this. It's more like a tool for imagination that you can reuse, recompose, rebuild. Um, it's just there for the taking. But of course, StarkNet uniquely enables this, right? Yeah, so we, we're one of the very early projects to launch on StockNet. We launched in like October 21. We more or less crashed StockNet mainnet when we launched on December 21. So that was a whole, that was a whole thing. 
Um, and initially, we wanted to go on Starkware, on Starknet because I knew the Starkware team. Uh, I worked at Ledger before. I knew the team. Um, and we decided that we wanted this not running on a side chain because of bridging issues. Uh, and we very much believe in validity rollups, known as ZK rollups back in the day. Right. And the only functioning testnet was Starknet. Sure. So we just deployed. It worked. Uh, it was so early that not even like Argent, Bravos, or the other wallets were not even there. Um, and it just worked. Like the community just grew around us. There are a lot of very cool uh, on-chain gaming projects like Cartridge, uh, Realms, for instance. So it's uniquely interesting for us because the more on-chain things you have, the more it makes sense to use Bricks for this. Why, why does it make sense? Can you can you for can you just unpack that a little bit more? Why does it make, make sense to use So for instance, let's say you build a little house with brick and you build a whole verification system to verify that it's like, a game could say, I will only accept assets that follow a certain standard. Mm -hmm. Like they have to be brown, they have to be in 2D, they have not, don't have to have that, this or that color. Uh, because we're putting all of that on chain and these games have the power to actually use this logic on chain, okay. it just makes it like uniquely positioned mm -hmm. as uh, an asset building. Uh, okay, so I can build a particular shape of a brick thing, and other parts of the StarkNet ecosystem can accept my my shape if it works inside of their ecosystem? Absolutely, yeah. Okay, and so you're literally trying to go for the most smallest unit of composability and hoping that the rest of the ecosystem starts building stuff. Exactly. Okay. So composability just starts from like the lowest unit rather than building something that is overly complicated and right. try to build standards. Okay, how do I get my hands on bricks? You go and break that construction, and uh, we're going to drop another collection soon. And we're working towards like fully decentralizing the protocol, so if you something that looks like Nouns DAO, sure. so you can build bricks, anyone is able to build a collection on top of brick that you have Lego Star Wars, I want to have brick nouns, uh, brick board apes, absolutely anything. Mm -hmm. So you'll be able to build bricks, you'll be able to uh, fund the DAO, choose what gets prioritized in terms of development, mm -hmm. the whole shebang. Are all the bricks the same size? Uh, yeah. Okay. What? How do you... How do you measure size? Um, think of it as like it's a resolution problem. Uh -huh. Like if you can build the same thing with like three thousand brick or just three bricks, it just okay. matter how you how you is size one, it. Is one brick a one by one unit? Yes, sir. Okay. It's like a voxel thing. It's like Minecraft. Cool. Okay. Okay. So one brick is one one unit. No unit. It is. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cool. Okay, Sylvie, you're, you're also part of the governance facilitators for StarkNet Foundation. How did you come to find yourself there, and what does that even mean? Um, if I have to be completely honest, I think it was my uh, shitposting abilities on StarkNet that got me this job. So, uh, thanks, Mom. It actually worked. <laughs> um, but I've been in the ecosystem for a, a bit of time now, um, know a lot of the other builders, and so the StarkNet Foundation reached out to me and said, we're setting up... Um, to be like fully centralized, we want to have like a gradual, open way uh, of doing this. So we want people from the community involved in the Stockman Foundation to shake things up towards a full-on decentralization. So my capacity is that I help along with two other people, Devin and Manor, um, to help prepare the first votes on Stocknet and prepare what Stockman governance is about to be uh, is about to be like. Okay, that. The decentralization of StarkNet is a huge topic. Uh, how does this conversation even begin? How do you even do your job? The first thing you have to keep in mind when we talk about decentralization is that you have two main components. The first one is protocol decentralization. And it's the ability for anyone to run a node, participate in consensus. So that, that's the, like, the technical meaty part. Um, that's one part of the equation. The other part is what do you, how do you choose what gets implemented in that decentralized protocol in a decentralized fashion? 
Uh, what do we prioritize in the roadmap? Um, what kind of updates get upgraded to production? How do we uh, agree on like standardizations, what we call SNPs, it's like right. EIPs um, on Sarknet. It used to be called SIMPs, but we obviously changed that name. Sn SNPs is a great, great SNPs way. SNPs is a yeah. great name. I just used the emoji. Yeah. I'm really happy about it. <laughs> BIPs is pretty good. EIPs, not so great. SNPs, I think, takes the cake. It's the, best, the it's the best one I've I'm heard. I'm really happy about that yeah. one. Uh -huh. I'm happy we chose it. Uh, to give you an idea, like, there is an ongoing SNP about should we uh, write StockNet with a lowercase n? Right. It sounds dumb, but right. it's something that we have to decide upon. So. Um, the way we're approaching it is the first phase of governance are going to be about we're going to allow token holders, delegates, uh, and everyone who's like involved in governance to choose what goes into production. So for instance, the first vote on Stockton will be about Stockton version 011. Mm -hmm. And the question is, does it go into production or not? Right. Okay, so the current round of token governance with the StarkNet token is really just uh, giving the community a voice to veto protocol upgrades, yes. which are coming from the more centralized part of the Starknet ecosystem. Absolutely. It's as if we're introducing like a democratic friction in the process. In the end, it's still business as usual, as it stands today. Stockware creates the upgrades, but we're introducing this so that we actually get a warm-up. People get used to it. People can build a track record. We understand what works and what doesn't so that we can, like, let's say, move up the release stack and we can actually at some point decide what gets prioritized, get feedback very early on. And in the end, the way I think, I started to better understand how governance worked when I pictured a foundation as like a government. It's like you're, but you're not managing like a country, you're managing a public good, and that public good is StarkNet. And so you start to realize why it's pretty difficult because it's fairly rare that governance are created. And how do you acquire? Um, I do think that for instance, for a company, the most important thing is efficiency. But for a government, it's legitimacy. You can be slow, you can take your time, but the moment you lose legitimacy, you're just done. So that's why the StarkNet Foundation has decided to be like very gradual, open, and responsible in the way it's approaching governance, uh, just to make sure that we're keeping that nugget of legitimacy. And it's probably good that we're starting with things like, should we have a capital N or not a capital N? Because we're at the very beginning, right? We need the community to learn that they have a voice and be able to learn how to express that voice. Absolutely, absolutely. Just start small and then we'll just continuously increase the scope of what we want to govern about. So it's funny because the current discussions are also about meta governance. What do you govern about? What is, uh, what can you legiferate about? So it, it, it's funny because like, we're basically reinventing the wheel. Do we need a bicameral system? Do we need a Supreme Court? Uh, how do we vote? Even the delegate system is exactly like the parliamentary system. So there's a whole range of inspirations we can we can uh, uh, we can take from. Something that's unique about Starkware is the, the, it's, it's a token vote. It's on-chain governance. So the token is the governance asset. How is the token distributed? Like where where is the token? Yes. So at the moment, it's 50.1% uh, is at the foundation. The rest is distributed between Starkware investors, Starkware and partners and core contributors. During that first phase of governance, uh, in order to make sure that a broader set of people are represented in the vote, the voting powers are going to look like a third for token holders, uh, a third for uh, core contributors, excluding Starkware, and a third for the foundation. The third of the foundation is 23% for the Builder Council, which is like a voter block of 17 builders that have been on the ecosystem for, for a long time, and 10% for delegators that the foundation is choosing. Um, what we hope to achieve this way is 
to attract people who want to be involved in governance and get them like training, voice their opinion, agree, disagree, how should we change things on a very limited scope at the time, but that will be gradually expanded. And so there's, there's always this question of uh, people love tokens. People also love airdrops. It doesn't sound like there will be an airdrop. It will sound like if there is an airdrop, it will be because the foundation decided to do that with their own allocation, which will be something that governance determines. And so whether or not there is a StarkNet airdrop is probably going to be determined out in the public. It's probably going to be determined in a more decentralized fashion than what we're going to do right now. Um, it's not going to be Starkware that randomly decides, like, oh, by the way, everyone gets a token and you get a token and, and so on and so forth. Um, it's going to be decided in a much more uh, open fashion and both for like community retributions, for partnership programs, for grants, for events, uh, the whole thing. And uh, StarkNet actually has the, the privilege of having a very vibrant and alive development community which actually probably makes it easier to decentralize the whole system because there's actually a community of people to decentralize it too. <laughs> and so there's actually like people there to catch it on the other side. Uh, and so really, who shows up in these governance decisions, who shows up as a builder, it's probably easier to, for that token distribution to start centralized and diffuse into these builders because you know who they are. They're the people here who have shown up at Starkware sessions or the people who have shown up on chain on their de exactly, development yeah. activity. Has there, what, what kind of philosophy has arisen? I know it's in the very early days. What kind of philosophy has arisen as to like how this token becomes distributed? Is there anything there to talk about? Um, at the moment, it's actually not something I am like, currently working on. So it's not something I'm going to be very uh, useful on. But the, the one thing I actually uh, I really want to drill down about what you said is it's a very dev-centric ecosystem at the moment, but I, a government is made up of a whole range of diverse opinions. So we... If you haven't uh, written Cairo, it doesn't mean that you cannot become a delegate. Anyone can be involved in governance. Anyone can voice their opinion. Anyone can say, for instance, right now, there's like a group of people who want to be like, oh, I want to be able to be like an ambassador for StarkNet. I want to represent it. I want to talk about it to other companies. And this is not necessarily very, it's not techy. It's not about, oh, I want to build like a Rust program or something, but it's just as important. And these are people that have to be incorporated inside the governance uh, process of the StarkNet Foundation. So the, the two camps of archetypes that I've seen in the StarkNet ecosystem. Oh, I'm curious to know. <laughs> yeah, is like you, you have the protocol devs who really care about the actual StarkNet protocol, how it's designed, sequencing, you know, stuff like this. The technical details, the base chain details. Uh, you would call these protocol devs, core devs on the Ethereum layer one. And then there's also, uh, so that's the first camp. Second archetype I found are the Cairo devs, application builders. Yep. And these compose most of Starkware. But I think what you alluded to is this third camp that's starting to arise is people who care about governance for governance's sake. As in like, I'm, maybe they're not even technical, but they are governors. Absolutely. And they can actually, and that is the new surface area that's been created in the StarkNet ecosystem for people to arise to. Is that right? Absolutely. Like, if you take people like, such as Polinia on Twitter, uh, who keeps on repeating that he's not a technical person, but he, he's a very technical person. Um, they, by the way. We don't, <laughs> oh, actually, we, we don't know actually if it it's a true. he or they she. Are, they yeah, they're completely unknown. <laughs> um, this is the kind of profile that we would want to have. It's, uh, even if you're not technical, uh, your area of expertise can lie somewhere else, and it is a valid opinion that has to be voiced, and it can just benefit the overall uh, community. And to your point about the uh, app builders, uh, this is why the Builder Council is mainly constituted of app builders. 
because we felt that the protocol devs were already well represented in the roadmap. They, they obviously they talk with the rest of the community and the app builders, but we wanted to have the app builders as more like the where the buck stops. It's like this is where governance is going to be, uh, and this is more or less who you will answer to for the technical choice that have been made up front. So this is probably a call to action for the governance-minded out there that there is a lot of need for governors of StarkNet. And so for those people that that sentence just uh, piques the curiosity, how can they become self-actualized? How can they find an agency Absolutely. in StarkNet? Uh, the way to do it is to go on StarkNet.io. All the blog posts about governance are over there. This is like the plan. And the next step is you go on the governance forums. Uh, the links is on the website. And you will be able to see all the discussions that happen from the capital N to lowercase n uh, to the, oh, should we use Tendermint or something else for the consensus protocol? And if you want to apply as delegate, anyone can apply to be a delegate. There's a delegate thread post over there. You just post your profile and get started. So you've committed a certain amount of your personal energies into StarkNet. You're building brick. You're also a governance uh, facilitator. Why have you decided to give up some of your human energy to StarkNet? What about StarkNet? called to you? Oh, that's a good one. Um, one. One thing I'm really proud I've done in the ecosystem is that I gave a talk in Lisbon and I came up with the sentence, uh, keep stocking it strange. Uh, and, I, and I think that's that's something that really resonated with me. And it's, you, you have a weird amalgamation of builders that just want to try new things. Uh, and it's extremely endearing. It's a very, I mean, there's no meme about, oh, it runs a gigabrain, et cetera, et cetera. But I think it's mostly about having um, I think it's strange people. Like they try to do things differently. There's a vibrant gaming, uh, on-chain gaming community. People are trying to do something different because they were like, even the, the thought of, oh, I'm actually going to learn Cairo, which is completely different from the any other ecosystem, and try something. Um, I think it's really what appealed to me, doing something uh, differently. Doesn't mean that it's like completely superior or anything else. It just, I was very interested in doing something uh, relevant and different. One thing I've noticed, and uh, one of the first experiences I had coming to Tel Aviv was going to the Hacker House and have, watching you lead a governance workshop. And I thought it was pretty cool when you and uh, Devin, your, your, your co-facilitator, the first thing, I don't know if you intentionally did this, but the first thing you guys did was sit down with, and cross your legs on the ground. And I thought it was very, very like, appropriate for like a governance workshop. It's like, all right, everyone, like kumbaya, we're going to like talk about governance. Uh, we, we've been shitposting about this for like a few weeks. Like, oh man, we did some lore about the governance. It needs to be like fun to have governance. And so I look at Devin, I'm like, I'm actually going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so next time we're going to have like a, like a speech baton that yeah. everyone has to have. Uh, the, the talking cube, like exactly. I, I have the time. <laughs> exactly. I'm sorry, you don't have the cube. You cannot, you cannot talk right now. <laughs> like, we want to have something that is like, Working that we want people to be involved in. It doesn't have to be clinical. It doesn't have to be boring. I mean, if you look at even like a history of governments or parliaments, like it's all full of like, idiosyncrasies. This is the kind of thing that we really want to replicate and have, like something that has a soul. Yeah, and and really, it was striking to me just seeing what uh, I keep on using Balaji's words, network state, in ways that I'm not sure he would have used them, but I'm using them this way. And that seems to be what we're seeing here in, in Tel Aviv at, at the Starkware sessions. It is a cultural meeting place of the network state of StarkNet. Uh, and so this thing is in its infancy. It's learning how to govern itself. It's learning how to think about itself. But that's kind of what I see today. Um, is, that, is that what you see? And where uh, do you see this going? I completely agree. And uh, like one advice I'd give to builders or anyone who wants to be involved in, in blockchain at large is uh, 
if not on Starknet, go on any layer two. I mean, that's what Vitalik said at ECC uh, last year. It was L1 is going to become simpler, more ossified, but that means that the innovation is going to get driven to the edges of the network. Uh, so that's why on Starknet, for instance, we have like native account abstraction, and that just allows a whole bunch of things. Uh, we have a very, there's a very, very young team called Starknet ID who have found, found a way to like implement SBTs with account abstraction. And so they're, they're finding like all kinds of new tricks and new ways of doing it. So it's like a way for you to make a name for yourself. Uh, there's always like, oh, you, you have to be early and so on. It, it, it's more than that. It's, it's you, you get to build something and be there um, and make yourself heard from a, like there, there's just so much cool stuff to build. That's what's really cool. Uh, so what, what are you looking forward to over the next few years over in Starknet? Um, the one thing I'm really looking forward to is seeing governance shape up, uh, seeing more people stepping in, seeing how we're going to decentralize the whole thing. Like the, the, the thing I said is I came on Starknet for the tech, but I stayed for the vibes. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm also looking forward to like all the, like these weird idiosyncrasies that the community is going to, is going to come up with. Like there, there's this meme about like everyone being French, which is like honestly half true. <laughs> it's only 70% of the ecosystem. At yeah, the point. Between, uh, between Israeli and French, like that's most of this, <laughs> that's most of what we got here. Yeah. We had like three official languages, like Cairo, French and Hebrew. <laughs> English is only tolerated at this stage. <laughs> I mean, it's color coded already. <laughs> So that's what I'm, I'm looking and like all the cool technical stuff. And the one thing that I'm like really thinking about these days is when you get into like L3, L4 territory, it's more, okay, now that we have verifiability, um, what can we do that is different from a blockchain? Do you need blocks anymore? Can you just do like checkpoints that you send every hour? That's definitely something that we're looking for uh, on the gaming side, like do what is called, what I call like game channels. You play an entire, you could, we could play a game, a provable game, just the two of us sending each other Cairo programs and a prover in our browser. And just at the end of the part of the game, we just send something to the chain. And that's super cool. That's just like all this area of experimentation is what like, really drives me nuts. So uh, if we've piqued the interest of any listener so far in this conversation, uh, where should they go? How do they get started getting sorted into the, the StarkNet world? So I think the best way for them to start is Obviously, the doc, Hello Cairo, uh, really well written. Uh, the hits don't actually matter if you're reading the doc. <laughs> uh, then the next step should be Starklings, which is like a great tutorial that was built by the Only Dust team, which brings me to the third step, which is uh, start contributing to an open source projects on Only Dust. So these people, they're, uh, they're organizing all the open source contributions on Starknet, and it's actually great. We like to give you an idea. Uh, you have people who are like, oh, yeah, I would like to. Uh, drop my Web2 job to like work in Web3. And these people find like paid contributions, open source contributions for you to like ramp up on all these things, find a job. I mean, I, my, even my, my brother-in-law is now working on Starknet. So that's how built I am. So I think they would say like, hello Cairo, Starklings, and then start contributing. Or maybe they got peaked by Brick, or maybe they just want to follow you on Twitter. Where should they go for that? Uh, I'm a Sylv uh, CHV, S-Y-L-V-E-C-H-V, and it's Brick NFT with a Q. Sylvia, thank you so much. Thank you much. Cheers.